There is a God-sized void in every person's life that can only be filled with Jesus Christ. My prayer is, as I hope, that you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I pray today would be the day that you would come into a relationship with Him, that you would come to trust Him as the Lord who saves. Now, I hope you found your place there. Chapter 13, either your Bible or your device, whichever one it is you have today. I forget in the world we live in today, a technology-driven world, not everybody opens up a, necessarily a paper copy of the Word of God any longer. Isn't that true? I forget that there are people today that open up the app on their phone and they look at their phone. What's most important to me is that you got something open that has the Word of God on it, all right? Because we're going to look at the Word of God this morning. We're going to allow the Word of God to nourish our souls. We're going to allow the Word of God to guide and direct us as His people in what we should believe. And this morning, I have a message that I believe is of great importance for every follower of Jesus Christ. If you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ lives in your life, I want to share with you this message is for you this morning. Here is the question that I want us to ask, and I want us to seek to answer from the Word of God. Here it is. I want you to think about it. What does it truly mean to be a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ? What does it truly mean to be a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, I would tell you this morning, I don't think there is any story, narrative that is found in the Bible that better answers that question than the passage of Scripture we are going to look at today. Jesus Christ sets before us a wonderful example of what it truly means to be a servant of the living God. Now, before we begin to look at this text here and read it, I just want to make a couple of statements about what it means to be a servant. Statement number one, as followers of Jesus Christ, serving is not just something we do, It is who we are. It's not just something we do. It is who we are. As followers of Jesus Christ, we are all commanded to be servants. And as a result of being servants, we choose to look for opportunities to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you agree with me on that? As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 2, he was writing about Jesus Christ. He said this, Jesus Christ emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant. We serve because we are servants. It should be our very nature as followers of Jesus Christ. Have you ever made this statement or heard someone make this statement? I need a break from serving. Have you ever made? I'll I'll honestly confess to you this morning. I have made that statement myself. But as followers of Jesus Christ, I would tell you that is a very 
wrong statement. And the reason that is a very wrong statement is we are servants, and because we are servants, we will always look for the opportunity to serve the Lord. It's not something we have to work up in our life. It should be the actual overflow of our life is to be a servant of the living God, right? Isn't that so true? It should be our very nature as followers of Jesus Christ to serve the Lord. Number two, the second statement I would make this morning, I am convinced there is never a time where we are more like Jesus Christ than when we choose to serve and give. Let me say it one more time. I am convinced there is never a time in life where we are more like Jesus than when we choose to serve and give. I want you to listen to the words of Jesus Christ that are found in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28. Jesus Christ said, I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. Jesus Christ said, my ministry on earth will be marked by serving and giving. Now when I hear that statement, I believe it raises a very important question that each of us need to ask ourselves. This is the question. Is my life marked by serving and giving? When other people look at my life, do they see a person who is a servant with a desire to give. Can I submit to you this morning, whether they see it or not, as followers of Jesus Christ, it should be what each one of us exemplify by the life that we live. Isn't that true? I mean, listen to Jesus' words again. I did not come to be served but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. What are to characterize the life of every follower of Jesus Christ is a life of serving and a life of giving, according to what Jesus Christ said. So if you have your Bibles there, I want you to follow along with me as we began reading right here in chapter 13, verse 1 of the Gospel of John. If you've not been able to be with us on Sunday morning, we are currently walking verse by verse through the Gospel of John. It's taken us a while to get to chapter 13. Amen? That's right. So, But we're going to press on. And I believe the message that God has for us this morning is one of great importance. Listen to what John wrote here. Now before the peace, uh, I'm sorry. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who, who were in the world, he loved them to the end. 
during supper when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from the Father and was going back to the Father, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garment and taking a towel, he tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. Now, obviously, this was a reference to Judas Iscariot. Before this passage is over with, Judas is going to betray the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let me say this in this text. There is a lot that is going on here in this passage. And some of the words that Jesus Christ is speaking to Peter here surely are tied to the spiritual. Peter had heard the words of Jesus Christ, and he had been cleansed through the words of Jesus Christ. No doubt Peter had trusted in Jesus Christ. And for the person who has trusted in Jesus Christ, there is no need for our lives to be cleansed. We have been cleansed by the washing of the Word of God in our lives. That is the truth of Scripture. So what in the world is happening here in this dialogue between Peter and Jesus Christ? Jesus Christ is speaking about the believer here as he's speaking to Peter, saying there are times that we still, even as followers of his, need to be cleansed through the Word of God. I mean, the writer of Hebrews mentions this. He said that the Word of God is powerful and living and is sharper than any two-edged sword. The Word of God has the ability to bring conviction in the heart of the believer as well as the lost person, and has the ability to show us what we need to do in our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus Christ is saying here in this dialogue between him and Peter. Now listen to what he says here in verse 11. For he knew who was about to betray him, and that is why he said, Not all are clean. When he had washed their feet, and put on his outer garments, and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also are to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. I will tell you there is no way to do justice with this passage of Scripture in 30 minutes. Now I see some of your look on your faces this morning. You say, Brother Jeff, you never deal with one passage for just 30 minutes anyway. Well, let me just say this. Let's just be really honest. There's no way to do justice in this, with this passage of Scripture in 40 minutes either. 
There is so much that is going on here in this text. So much that is tied to first century culture. And so many theological implications that are happening in this story. And if we're not careful, it would be very easy for us to miss out on the message that Jesus Christ is trying to convey. First, only the lowest of the lowest slaves were given the task of washing people's feet. Second, never did friends wash one another's feet. And nowhere is it recorded in the history of mankind in the first century, except for right here, that one who had authority over a group of people, the one who was in authority, chose to wash the people's feet who were the followers. Only here is that recorded for us. Through his actions, Jesus Christ has just torn down major cultural norms of his day and time. But I would tell you much more than that, there are also theological implications in this text. When Jesus Christ tells his disciples to follow his example, it raises the question, was Jesus Christ implementing foot washing as a practice to be followed by the church? Is this story prescriptive or descriptive? I would say to you, the story is descriptive rather than prescriptive. Jesus has taken a cultural practice of his day, foot washing, and he has used it as a powerful example to challenge his followers to be servants regardless of the culture in which they live. I would tell you this morning, that is the great challenge for all of us from this text if we are followers of Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ's example, He is challenging us to be servants in the culture in which we live. This morning I want to share with you three statements taken from Jesus' example that helps us to understand the true meaning of being a servant. Three statements. Number one, true servants recognize there is no task that is beneath them, especially when the opportunity to serve is done for the honor and the glory of the Lord God. Let me say it again. Sometimes people say, Brother Jeff, you rush along so quickly, I can't always write down what you're saying, so I want to make sure that you can write this down. True servants recognize there is no task that is beneath them, especially when that task is done to honor and glorify the Lord. I mean, think about it for a moment. Isn't that truth so very clearly seen in this text today? I mean, think about who Jesus Christ is for a moment. 
Think about how the writers of the Bible describe Jesus Christ to us. In the Old Testament, in the book of Ruth, Jesus Christ is referred to as the kinsman redeemer. In the book of Isaiah, the prophet refers to Jesus Christ as the suffering servant, the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. Through the eyes of the Old Testament prophets, Jesus Christ over and over again is the Messiah, the anointed one who came to save his people. And then when we get to the New Testament, the book opens the first or the last half of the Bible, the New Testament opens with the angel telling Joseph, that Jesus Christ is Emmanuel, God with us. John tells us in the opening chapter of his book that Jesus Christ is the Word, the incarnate God, God in the human flesh. The Apostle Paul says in Colossians, the second chapter, it is by Him, through Him, and for Him that all things have their existence. And as the Word of God prepares to close, John the Revelator says to us that Jesus Christ is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And on the very night before He dies, He picks up a basin of water and He washes His disciples' feet. Imagine that for a moment. Can you even fathom that I mean think about that God in the human flesh takes up a basin of water wraps a towel around his waist and he washes 12 men's feet one of him a sworn enemy think about that for a moment. As I shared with you earlier, this was the most menial task given to the lowest of all household slaves. No one showed up at the boss's house on the night of the party and requested to be the foot washer. It was not a position of prestige or a position of power. It was a title that no person sought. No one wanted to be known as the official foot washer. But this is exactly what we see Jesus Christ doing on the very night before he would die the next day. Washing, dirty, smelly feet. I mean, can you imagine that for a moment? Through Jesus' actions, he communicated a very loud message to his followers in that room on that night. The message that he conveyed to them was this, as followers of mine, there is no opportunity to serve that is beneath you. Do you see that? I mean, he just took the lowest, the most menial task of first century Jewish life. And he uses it to express his love. I would say the same is still true for us today. If we serve to bring honor and glory to the Lord, 
we will never, ever look at any opportunity to serve and say, this is below my pay grade. We will simply see it as an opportunity to lift up our Lord Jesus Christ before a lost and dying world. Now before we move on to the next statement that I want to make this morning, I want to share with you quickly just this truth that is born out of this first statement. Listen to it carefully. I think it is so very important. Greatness in Jesus' kingdom is not determined by title or position. Greatness in His kingdom is being a servant. If you want to be great in the kingdom of God, get busy serving. You will be great in the kingdom of God. I mean, think about it. Isn't that what we find our master doing? Serving on the night before he would die on the cross? Statement number two. True servants take their focus off their own rights and choose to focus on the needs of others. Let me say it again. True servants take their focus off their own rights and choose to focus on the needs of others. And I just want us to be real honest this morning, all right? We can do that for just a second, right? No, I hope I'm always honest with you, and I hope you're always honest with me. Don't we just love to trumpet our own rights? Let's just be honest, don't we? Oh, yeah, man, we love to trumpet our rights at our home. We love to trumpet our rights at our workplace. Wherever we find ourselves in America, we have to stand up for our rights because no one is going to stand up for our rights. We have to do that on our own. Let me even share this. We love to trumpet our rights in God's church as well, don't we? Yeah, come on, let's be honest, right? Don't we like to do that? Sure we do. Let's don't try to hide it this morning. I want you to go back and I want you to listen to how John introduces this passage again. Listen to what it is that John writes about Jesus Christ in verse 3. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into His hands, don't miss that. That is a statement of authority. What John is saying here is Jesus Christ had all authority. God has given everything into the hands of the Son and that He came from God and was going back to God. As the eternal Son of God, who had been given all authority, who came from heaven to earth and was going back, he had all the rights in the world to look at those apostles and say, hey, you pick up that basin of water and you come wash my feet. I mean, think about it. He's God in the human flesh, is he not? He's worthy of all of our worship and praise. He is the Lord of lords and the kings of kings. He has the right to demand that we wash His feet. But do you see what happens here in this text? Jesus Christ chooses not to do that. Instead, Jesus chooses to lay aside His own rights so that He could focus on the needs of His apostles. What his apostles needed was to see true humility in action. 
And that is what Jesus showed them through his actions. I want you to listen to the next statement very carefully. I wonder how many quarrels would cease to exist in our homes and in our churches if we chose to lay aside our own rights and we chose to focus on the needs of others. I've learned something in my time in the ministry. This is what I have learned. I have learned when I focus on the needs of others, I have very little time to focus on my own rights. I'm too busy serving. However, when I choose to focus on me, myself, and I, I end up having a pity party and asking myself, what about me? Aren't we all guilty of that? I mean, think about it. A husband says, I've worked hard all day putting up with the hassles at work so that I can provide for my family. Don't I have a right to some peace and quiet when I get home? Amen? Man, amen? Maybe, but I would tell you that's the wrong focus of your life. Actually, what we've been called to do as men is to serve our wives and our children. And then the wife says, I have been changing diapers, shopping for groceries with screaming kids, cleaning up messes all over the house and trying to get dinner on the table. And then for some ladies, that means working 40 hours a week as well. I'm like, how in the world can they accomplish it all? And they say, do I have the right for a little time by myself? Maybe, but I would tell you that's the wrong focus. And then, of course, there's people in the church house that thinks they deserve a position or a title. I have served in this church for years, and now it's their opportunity to serve me. When are they ever going to meet my needs? And the focus becomes self rather than Jesus Christ. You see how easy it is? You see how easy it is? Can I just say the culture we live in plays to that? Would you, would you agree with me? Yeah. We are taught from the time we are born to look out for who? Me. Number one. If I'm not happy, then the world's all wrong. Do you see what I'm saying? I want you to think about this story for a moment. We're going to have to move on. If it was your last night on earth, you knew you were going to die the next day, what would you choose to do with your time? Would you choose to invite a bunch of hard-headed men to your home, one who is your sworn enemy, so you could serve them a meal and wash their feet? That's what Jesus does. Do you see that? That is so crazy, isn't it? Am I the only one who thinks that crazy? That's crazy. Number three, 
True servants think more highly of others than they do themselves. Now, I know this one kind of closely ties back up to the one above. But you know, when I read this narrative, the first thing that I noticed is this. Not one of the disciples at that table on that night offered to wash anyone's feet. Only Jesus Christ did. Each of them were so busy thinking of self that they were not concerned about the other men at that table. Now, some of you may be saying, well, Brother Jeff, that seems a little harsh to me. I don't know that those guys were all thinking about self. Can I submit to you they were? There is an interesting fact that is recorded for us in Luke's gospel account of this story. In Luke's gospel account, Jesus Christ has just taken the Lord's Supper and he has, or has just taken the Passover meal and he has given it significance for his followers. He's brought spiritual significance to this simple meal. And it says right after that, that there is an argument that breaks out between the apostles at this supper. They are arguing and bickering and fighting over who would be the greatest in the kingdom of God. They've heard Jesus Christ take the cup and they've heard Him say, this is my blood, this represents my blood that I shed for you. They've seen Him take the loaf and break it and He says, this is my body that I laid down for you. And then the very last statement out of His mouth is this, I will not eat of the bread or drink of the vine again until the kingdom of God comes. And it's almost like you can see at that very moment what begins to happen among the group of apostles. They begin to argue and bicker. Can you see this picture in your mind? They're arguing and fighting over who will be the greatest in the kingdom of God. Who will have the position of prestige and power? And at that very moment, Jesus Christ rises from his seat. He takes up a basin of water. He wraps a towel around his waist. And he begins to go one after another and wash the disciples' feet. Can you imagine the hush that must have failed? over that room that night. I bet you when Jesus Christ was done, you could have heard a pin drop in that room. Jesus Christ has shown them what is most important in His kingdom. Jesus has clearly announced through his actions, the servant is greatest in my kingdom. That's who the greatest is. Through his actions, Jesus Christ has clearly announced to his apostles, true servants think more highly of others than they do themselves. This is what I want you to do for just a moment as we close this morning. I want you to go back 2,000 years to the city of Jerusalem, a hill on the outskirts that is called Golgotha. And I want you to look up at the cross of our Lord and Savior, 
Jesus Christ. He is beaten, he is bruised, he is bloodied. He has a crown of thorns sitting upon his head. He is in his body, he is taking on all of the sins of the world, all of the guilt, all of the shame of everyone. Shedding his blood, giving up his life for ours. At the cross, Jesus Christ exemplifies what it meant to be a true servant. He shows us very clearly there is no task that is beneath him. The cross was a place for only those who were thieves and criminals. He's very clearly announced that he's willing to lay aside his rights in order to meet our needs at the cross through It is through Him that He thinks more highly of others than He does Himself. The cross of Jesus Christ is the best picture of servanthood that we have in Scripture. Right there. As He hangs and He dies on the cross for you and I, the cross exemplifies what it truly means to be a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question this morning. Are you a real, true servant of the Lord Jesus Christ? Now let me share this with you so that you won't misunderstand. You could go out of here this morning and you can take everything that I've shared with you and you can try to implement it in your life and you'll work yourself silly. You'll wear yourself out. You know why? The only way to be a real, true servant of the Lord Jesus Christ is in the power of the Holy Spirit. It is only as we sacrifice our lives at the altar of God that the Holy Spirit can fill us and empower us to be the people that God desires for us to be. You and I, in our own strength, can never be that. I will tell you that this morning. But in Jesus Christ, we can be that. If Jesus Christ lives in us, We can be everything that Jesus Christ exemplifies in this passage about being a true servant of God. But I will tell you, we can't do it in our own strength and power. You see, it only happens as we allow the Spirit of the living God to be in control of every area of our lives. Earlier when I started this sermon, I said I've heard people before and I've even made the statement myself that I needed to take a break from serving. When I've made those statements, this is what I've realized as I've went back and looked at my life, that is when I'm the furthest I've ever been away from the Lord. But if I allow the Holy Spirit of God, to fill me and empower me, I realize I'm a servant of the living God. And the natural overflow of my life is I will look for one opportunity after another.
to serve my master, Jesus Christ, every day. Only through his spirit, though, can we do it. Father God, we thank you for your word and the truth of your word this morning. Father, what a challenging message that you have presented to us from your word today. Father, I pray as followers of yours that each one of us would take the opportunity to stop and examine where we are in our relationship with you. Father, if we are not walking in the Spirit, if we're not being controlled by the Spirit, Father, if we're not keeping in step with the Spirit, that's where we need to begin. I'm reminded of the words of the writer of the Apostle John when he challenges the church at Ephesus to return back to what they were doing before. You see, some of us need to do that this morning, Lord. We need to repent and we need to go back to where we were once before. Walking daily with you and allowing your spirit to fill us. Father, if there's someone here this morning who's never trusted Jesus Christ, I hope through this example of who Jesus Christ was, Lord, that you would use that to draw them and convict them of a need of Jesus Christ in their life. We give you this time of invitation and pray that you would be honored and glorified through it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.